Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello and welcome to Queering the Air. You're listening on 3CR, 3cr.org.au or 855am. Welcome to the show, everyone. You just heard Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. And before we kick off today's show, I'd just like to acknowledge uh, that 3CR broadcast from land stolen from the Wurundjeri people and that sovereignty was never ceded. So we pay our respects to elders past and present. We have a great show lined up for you today. Um, it's, we're talking all about gay voices. And we heard one of uh, the world's best gay voices coming in, uh, Freddie Mercury of Queen. And we have some of the world's best gay voices in the studio <laughs> today. My favourites. We have uh, Luke Caffarella. Hey. And Jack Turley. Hello. Thank you guys for joining me. Thanks very much for having us. Yeah, oh, thank you. My pleasure. And the listeners' pleasure too, I'm sure. So today we're talking all about gay voices, what it means to sound gay, uh, whether there is such thing as a gay voice, and uh, why people love it or hate it. So um, the reason that uh, we're speaking about this today is that Luke and I... Yes. Uh, went and saw a, a film on Friday night at MIFF called Do I Sound Gay? So it's gotten quite a bit of press and basically it follows David Thorpe and I wish I had written his name down, but I believe it's David Thorpe. <laughs> I think Do that's, not write yeah, in no, if I'm that's wrong. A, that's definitely it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it featured David Thorpe, who is a gay man who had recently been, recently been through a breakup and found himself loathing his own gay voice and the gay voices of men around him. Um, so let's just listen to a little bit of the trailer now so we can get a bit of a taste. A taste I'm in a hotel and I call the front desk. They always say... We'll have that right up to you, ma'am. Your voice can change, and I'm going to show you how right now. This is me, David. I'm a little mystified as to why I talk the way I talk. Do you guys think I sound good? When you say it like that, you do. (laughs) How and when did I learn to sound gay? I'm used to hearing my voice now. When I would first hear it, I would be appalled. Did you ever listen to yourself and think, God, I sound gay? I'd have to say, if I told you no, I'd be lying. A lot of gay men are self-conscious about... So that was a little taste of Do I Sound Gay, a film that's currently playing at MIFF, and it raised a lot of uh, interesting questions for uh, for gay people, especially gay ones who listen to the radio. Um, do you, Jack and Luke, think that there is such a thing as the gay voice? Well, I guess we have to kind of talk about what we mean by gay voice. Yeah, so what are the... You know, I think that everybody has an idea in their mind, or maybe you don't, but I have an idea in my mind of mm-hmm. what uh, a gay voice might sound like. What are some of the, I guess, the hallmarks, the signature flourishes <laughs> of a gay voice? Um, I guess the first one that comes to my mind is a rising inflection. Oh, yep, the question. Yeah, the question. The upspeak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something which I don't think is necessarily true, but you often hear people talk about this kind of nasal quality to a voice. Yeah. And a higher pitch. Yeah. And the gay lisp and the, as well, yeah. I guess, is yeah. the one that is most often trotted out. Why yeah. do so many gay men have lisps? Do mm. you, I don't actually think I know a single gay guy that does have a lisp. 
I think I have a slight one. Do you? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Can you? <laughs> you <hear> can we? <laughs> um, and uh, you know, do, do you think that it, it is a real thing? I suppose. Do you think that there is this uh, real phenomenon of gay men sounding a certain way? Do you both, as gay men, do you yes. both think that you could pick a gay man out uh, based on his voice? I off. Oh, you go. I, well, I think no, because I think we've all kind of thought that someone was gay based on their voice and <laughs> been proven very wrong so and immediately had to backtrack yeah, yeah, don't worry away. about that yeah 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 no i'm constantly wrong um but i think that there is a sort of a certain type of voice that we associate with gay men mm. um but a lot of men who are gay have it yeah yeah mm. i think that that's true i know quite a few straight guys who i thought were gay based on their voice yeah perhaps my inner homophobe coming out um mm-hmm. But it is it is very interesting, I suppose. Um, and I mean, so do you think that the uh, why do we have this idea then of a gay voice existing? Is it because you know we think uh, is it is it something that just exists in the world, and then whenever it's confirmed, we think, oh yes, that's right, that's the gay voice. Or well, I guess the gay voice is kind of defined by feminine, what we kind of see as feminine qualities, mm-hmm. and so I think that uh, in our society we associate homosexuality in men with femininity mm. and so those two kind of become correlated yeah what do you think jack um yeah i agree <laughs> definitely I, mean, I also recently read an interesting article by david shariat madari who's a linguist um who wrote a kind of long-form piece in the guardian prompted by that documentary you were talking about yep um and he suggests that we sort of speak in such a way so as to sound more like groups that we identify with. That makes sense. Um, kind of, yeah. So seemingly saying to sound more sort of like the people we spend time with, and a lot of gay men spend more time with women mm-hmm. rather than with straight men, which is a gross generalisation. Um, but I guess that sort of made sense to me. That does make sense, I suppose. And, and I suppose there's something that came up in the movie as well where they talked about this idea of code switching, yeah. which mm. I definitely have recognised in myself and in the people around me. And for for me as a gay woman, um, and I suppose we'll talk a bit later about whether or not there is a gay female voice, mm. but um, I've recognised it uh, in terms of uh, when I'm around a group of other women or when I'm around a group of men, and also uh, when I code switch based on the cultural backgrounds of the people around me. So because I'm half Malaysian, if I go home and speak to my mum or my relatives who are from Malaysia, I speak in a sort of Malaysian English inflection and it's something that people make fun of me for. But, you know, it's just for me, it's a much more efficient way of communicating with my family. Whereas mm. if I started speaking like that uh, in the workplace, in like a white workplace then I might not be treated as professionally or people might not respect me so yeah code switching is definitely a thing is that something that you both feel like you do or that you've observed other people do yeah I think I try I feel like I sometimes try not to do it in like in the sense of trying to match that other person in the way that they speak yeah but yeah I think we all do it Sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm most conscious of it. I guess I'm a medical student at the hospital when I'm talking to someone or if I'm presenting a patient to a consultant doctor, I'm sometimes pretty conscious of not sounding gay deliberately. Really? So yeah. gay in particular? <clears throat> yeah, not that I think that the people I'm talking to are homophobic, but yeah, I don't know what that's based on. Mm. But yeah, I guess probably fear that they might be homophobic. Actually. Yeah, and I, um, want, I wonder if uh, there's also that thing of not wanting to have your sexuality 
be a matter of um, importance at your workplace at all or if yeah. you want to just be sort of sexually invisible in the workplace. Yeah, because if you're talking about someone's blood pressure, it's not really relevant. <laughs> I'm really pumped in that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and do we think that it's something that's that occurs in other language in other languages? I am unfortunately only an English speaker, much to the um, despair of both of my parents. Um, <laughs> and so I'm not really sure if it's something if if the gay voice is a phenomenon that's observed in other languages. I do wonder. I mean, maybe. Would, would we be able to tell if we, as English speakers, went overseas to another country that didn't speak English? Would they be able to see something in our voice or hear something in our voices? Yeah. Mm. That's a good that point. That would maybe yeah. answer that question. Yeah, I wonder if there's a tell. Yeah. <laughs> if there's an international yeah. gay tell. It's universal. <laughs> um <laughs> I guess, like, the sort of gay type has been largely, like, exported because globalization, mm. etc. Um, <laughs> Late modernity. And so, yeah. <laughs> what a and trip. So, modernization. Um, but, yeah, I certainly, I've spent some time in Indonesia and met quite a few gay men who, to me, had, like, the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure if that arose, like, through language in Indonesia or if it was, like, exported yeah. from, like, the gay male type. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um and and the idea, I suppose, of fitting in with uh, the subculture around you as well is very interesting. In terms, do you do you find that it's easier to socialise with gay men? If have you been in situations with other gay men where you feel like it's easier to socialise, or you've seen yourselves, I suppose, escalate this gay voice um, around other gay men? Luke. That's a tough question. Mm, I think it escalates. I don't yeah. think it's a it's a conscious effort to like fit in. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think it definitely does. Well I know that um in our friendship group, which has not very many gay men in it, but like a lot of gay women hates uh, <laughs> just loads of them. Um, that there's often uh, we've been in situations, perhaps at Phillip Island on holiday together, where we're all trapped in the same house, fueled oh. by alcohol <laughs> That's and social weekend. anxiety. <laughs> where <laughs> we've gotten shriller and, and shriller and louder and louder. Um, so I think mm. that there is maybe a thing of. Um, of of code switching there's yeah. something to, mm. to be said about adopting that and i definitely am i have that disgusting madonna uh trait of adopting the accent of whoever i'm speaking <laughs> oh, to like immediately a joy that's a joy it's a joy yeah. to be around it's a it joy is. to be around um speaking of joy something that brings me a lot of joy is uh the character buddy cole from kids in the hall which was a uh, sketch show in the late 90s from canada um and buddy cole i think is a terrific example of the gay voice so we're going to listen to a buddy cole monologue now um just a warning that it uh might have a bit of explicit language so if you're not into that um go off and make a cup of tea maybe and come back in about four minutes Bonsoir. Notice anything different? Mm-hmm. I'm not smoking. And it's great. I saved so much money that I bought myself my own bar. It's called Buddies. You're sitting in it. Now that I own a gay bar, I can't stay in the closet anymore. <laughs> 
I'm as high profile as the city council. Hi, and welcome back to Queering in the Air on 3CR. We just listened to a delightful clip of Buddy Cole from Kids in the Hall, played by the wonderful Scott Thompson, who is a gay man, and I think one of the earlier openly gay comedians, um, gay sketch comedy actors from Canada, maybe. (laughs) But um, the Buddy Cole character is a wonderful one, and we're talking all about the gay voice uh, with my good friends Jack Turley and Luke Caffarella. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Two of my favourite gay voices. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about this idea of gay voices in pop culture and gay voices in the media, because we uh, spoke a bit uh, initially about having... We all, I think, had quite a consistent idea of what a gay voice is and um, what constitutes uh, sounding gay. And I'm interested in where those ideas come from. So can you guys think of any gay voices in pop culture or any any gay characters that sort of solidified your idea of what the gay voice sounds like? Well, I mean, I think around the kind of 50s, there was a very... There were quite a few characters, uh, I think, in American popular culture with the gay voice yeah they kind of brought were paired with wit and like acerbic Mm. wit and that became like that was quite accepted i think in that sense yeah but then over time it's become more of a negative thing yeah i think that the gay voice is sort of the acerbic intellectual the gin soaked guy you know the bitter guy which is sort of the buddy (laughs) cole (laughs) which is kind of the buddy cole character in a way um Mm. and it's definitely uh sort of quentin crisp's uh whole thing Mm. um who sort of was was a wonderful was a wonderful gay man and had a wonderful wonderful gay voice um but you're right, there is that idea now that um, that maybe having a gay voice is a negative thing and something that guys want to sometimes distance themselves from. What do mm. you guys think about it? It makes me think of the character Jack from Will and Grace. <gasps> well, we have a great clip, if you oh, don't know. Do you really? Well, there you go. Um, we do. <laughs> I'm just going to surprise uh, <laughs> our mystery panellist today. <laughs> What do you think? Too gay? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. But the shirt's good. (laughs) Ah, Hold on, I got a cramp from not laughing. It's for my show. What show? Oh. Just when you thought it was safe to go back to the theater, the tragic return of... Just Jack! Keep up a ticket! Just Jack is dead to me. I'm sick of people coming up to me on the street going, yink, yink. <laughs> That's just your mom. <laughs> and Rory. Anyway, I'm going a whole new way. My new show is called Jack 2000. Honey, please, do you go to... Well, there we go. That was a great clip of Just Jack from Will and Grace, as you were speaking about, with a bit of bonus Hanker's area at the end. Um, so sorry to interrupt, but what were you saying about uh, about Jack from Will and Grace? Jack from Will and Grace, to me, his voice and the character was sort of set up in contrast to Will, who was a sensible gay, who was a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, who was more of more believable as a character who could exist in the world. And then Jack was this almost kind of, like, parody yeah. next to Will who had this really kind of, like, high camp voice yeah, um, and was ridiculous and never really did anything. Yeah. Um, and that was – that's what I think of when I think of kind of 
almost negative portrayals of the gay boys. Because I remember being a teenager and being like, oh, I don't want to... I don't want to sound like Jack from Will and Grace. Really? You want to be the Will? You I want it to be the Will. Yeah, but it's just a bit strange that we've that, that was set up as like a dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. That, is, that is really strange, isn't it? That was kind of the sad aspect of this documentary that we saw in the sense that this it was more of a journal of this man kind of wanting to get rid of his gay voice. Yeah, to um, be gay but not sound gay. Yeah, and, but then I think yeah. ultimately he kind of worked to align his um, like gay self image with his gay identity and began on that kind of journey which was good to see yeah Mm. but it was really sad that he wanted to get rid of his gay voice Mm. um many do yeah and i think that that there's this unfortunate stereotype that um that like the gay or the camp voice is associated with femininity and is associated with uh not being masculine not being assertive and not being powerful and um that's something that people want to distance themselves from you know this idea of, of being shrill and superficial um, and a great example of that is uh, our dear friend Hank Azaria that we heard earlier from the birdcage. Honey, please, you got to get dressed for me now, please. No, Agador. Victoria Page will not dance the dance of the red shoes tonight or any other night. Okay, but how about just your stockings, okay? Victoria Page is dead. Okay, but watch her knife. I'm going to put it for you. Do you know how she died? How? Alone, weeping for her lover. Oh, no. Darling, have you eaten? You look haggard. Buddy, uh, please. You've got to help here. me a little. Here. What is this? These are supplements. I I bought them for Armand, but that's all over now. Oh, okay. So that was Hank Azaria and Nathan Lane from The Birdcage. Maybe one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Huh. Yeah. It was a real bummer. Have you guys seen it? I have a long time ago, though. Did it really bum you out? It was, yeah. I thought it was going to mm. be a fun gay movie, and it was, it was about, like, this son who was so ashamed of his gay parents oh. and, like, made them hide all their stuff and, like, made them try to sound straight. And there's a, um, a very telling scene of... Robin Williams trying to force his partner, played by Nathan Lane, to walk in a straight way and speak in a straight way and eat in a straight way. And it is, like, mm. the saddest thing yeah. <laughs> ever yeah. seen. Um, and so that's a really good example, I think, of um, that stereotype of gayness associated with femininity, but also this uh, idea of wanting to distance yourself from gayness. So respectability being associated with masculinity. Mm. Um one thing that they raised in the film uh, was the idea that uh, being that having a problem with the gay voice was linked to misogyny um, and a hatred of, of femininity mm. and of manifestations of femininity in, in male bodies. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that has any legitimacy? Yeah, definitely. I think we've all met the misogynist gay man before. Oh, Absolutely. I feel like I might have run into like him one I've or twice. Him. I meet him all the time. Um but, like, it's been said to me that oh, I've spoken to quite a few younger gay men who say, like, I'm, I am still identify as a man. Like, I'm not some kind of, a, like, a woman now mm. that I'm gay. And I'm, like, really, like, certain that I'm not going to have this voice. And I still, like, to them, masculinity is so important. Um, and they, like, strongly rejected the kind of gay voice as femininity as something that they couldn't possibly, like, have. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, so, I think we're really socialized for, for that or to that. As we're, as kids, mm. so we grow up, and if we maybe transgress any of the masculine ideals, we kind of then like scour our whole body and our voice, and like find things like our voice or something else, our movements, mm. and we say see things that uh, are like feminine or that we see as gay, 
and mm. then kind of try and change those things. Right. And so do you mm. think that's a response to just an envir- a homophobic environment? And Yeah, homophobic yeah. and misogynistic. Yeah. yeah. Femininity equaling weakness or women equaling weakness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is definitely uh, not healthy. Yeah. And there was a flip side of um, that, or oh, I suppose the other side of that, which was raised in Do I Sound Gay, was uh, the fetishization or just sort of um, the worship of the masculine gay figure. Uh, in gay culture is that something mm. that you guys have observed yeah it being more important than or worth more than the feminine yeah, yeah absolutely yeah and uh what do you think that's about is it some sort of as they said as one person said maybe a sort of stockholm syndrome of wanting to sleep with the people who <laughs> bullied you yeah as a teenager well i think it's kind of not just uh exclusive to gay male culture it's kind of a global thing with everyone uh I don't think that's just specific to mm, us in yeah. the sense mm. that you kind of look to the oppressor in that way. Yeah. yeah. But there is, I think I agree, but also I think there is something about like worshipping at the altar of the like hypermasculine. Yeah. For like in gay communities. I don't really know what it is. Yeah. What do I, you think? I've, I mean, I think that par- partially community, uh, society at large worships hypermasculine capitalist. Mm you know, oppressive figures um, mm. because they're the people who are in control of what's <laughs> what's um, uh, desirable and what's yeah. not. So, so why wouldn't you want to get with them? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think that's sort of depressing. Um, and, and yeah, I think that there there is a thing of, of perhaps wanting to distance yourself from, from the thing that you were, uh, you might have been bullied about or that you might have uh, been assaulted for and so it's a response maybe a response to that as well uh for lacking in that and so wanting to compensate by being attracted to that um that sort of figure Mm. uh one person who was interviewed in the movie um and who has a wonderful wonderful gay voice uh is david sedaris and so now we're going to listen to a little uh bit of spoken word from david sedaris in the letterman show Welcome back to the program. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sedaris is kind enough to read for us tonight one of his essays. David? A while back, Esquire asked me to contribute to their style issue, and I don't really have any. And so I wrote a series of essays uh, uh, devoted to some of my more depressing mistakes, and this is one of them. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy... Aha! Pansexual. Knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Why Gender is a group for trans and genderqueer questioning young people and friends. Why Gender run social events and have monthly meetings in the city. Check us out on Facebook or see ygender.com for more info. Ygender.com. Welcome back to Queering the Air on 3CR 855am or 3cr.org.au. Today on Queering the Air, we're speaking all about 
queer and gay voices. And I've got in the studio with me Jack Turley. Hello. <laughs> Asleep at the wheel. Oh. And <laughs> Luke Caffarello. <Hello. laughs> right in there. Great work. Um, and we just heard a clip of David Sedaris on the David Letterman show speaking about um, external catheters and smelling like urine, all that sort of great stuff, and a great example of a gay voice. What a great a voice. A stereotypical mm. gay voice. He has a beautiful voice. Yeah, he has nice. a very yeah. melodic, yeah, beautiful voice. Yeah, those words a bit. Mmm. 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 Of course, gay voices don't always have such positive associations as David Sedaris. And uh, there is a phenomenon or a phenomena, depending on what the correct word is, (laughs) of uh, gay voices and um, gay men being associated with villainry and uh, bad guys, particularly in movies. And uh, there are some great examples of this. um, Should we list some now? Let's list some right now. All Disney movies in the 90s. So we've got Jafar, Shere Khan... Scar, uh, Scar, mm. Scar was Scar. definitely mm. super, super camp. Hades, maybe a little. Hades, mm. maybe a little bit of Hades from a really underrated movie, the animated so Hercules. Underrated. I love it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so good. I highly recommend everybody go home and watch it. Um, can you guys think of any other gay villains? I always thought Ursula had a pretty strong kind of queer vibe. Yes, going on. she definitely mm, did have sure. a pretty strong queer vibe mm. going on. Um, and we're going to hear James Adomian talking a little bit about Ursula later, but oh. definitely, definitely the short hair, the like powerful personality. Mm. Yep, that being yeah. like the the top of like a ladder of two eels, mm. and like an older <laughs> woman trying to influence a younger one. <gasps> yeah, I mean, that kind of that's true too. Um, any others? Well, Smaug from uh, The Hobbit, part <laughs> two, The Desolation of Smaug, uh, Peter Jackson's classic, has a very kind of moving kind of... Um, would you say a mincy voice? I would say mincy, yeah, A very sure. mincy voice. Really, like, yeah. I haven't seen... So who does Smaug's voice? Do you know? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah. Uh. So he has that... He, again, has that sort of, like, biting... So-called intellectual class kind of yeah. English there's a lot voice. of jaw jaw mm. movement. A lot of jaw movement under the mountain. <laughs> if that's, can I do a terrible <laughs> impersonation? Please. Ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah. Going through to the next round. Of no more. <laughs> um, I always thought it was smog. Like just reading it, and yeah, I remember like smog is mate trying to make fun of you and um, your sister <laughs> going to watch it when you were in Germany, and I remember being like, "Oh, you're going to go see the desolation of Smaug," and you're like, "Yep, that's exactly what we're going that to go." That we will be seeing. Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought that Smaug itself was too much of a mincy yeah, name. Yeah. So there's my internalized anti-dragon homophobia coming through. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> Jesse. I know. Um, do you guys think that this idea of gay villains or this sort of archetype of the uh, villainous, mincy, sissy, gay guy uh, contributes to internalized homophobia and part of the reason that people don't feel comfortable with uh, gay male voices? I think it's concerning that a lot of these movies are for kids, like designed for kids, Mm. um, um, which is a a worry, Mm. I think. Yeah, well, you you spoke a bit before, Jack, about wanting to distance yourself from just Jack, um, Sean Hayes in Will and Grace, as an adolescent. Um, So it stands to reason, I guess, that people would want to distance themselves from, like, the creepy 
sissy yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about this before, actually, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hollywood's yeah. villainous gay, that voice yeah, is different, gay. I think, to maybe the Just Jack voice. It's, it's very different. It's got a lot of drawn out. Yeah. Words. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that if, if in some ways the Just Jack voice can be considered... Parody. A, yeah, a parody. And also uh, feminine um, to the point of being associated with uh, teenage girls and being associated with superficiality and, and interest so in pop culture and really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, being a, a sort of comedic problem, being easy to dismiss, mm-hmm. whereas um, the gay villain is sort of different. It's exactly the opposite. It's really drawn out. Sometimes it's very slow. It's yeah. very over-enunciated um, and very, I suppose... Uh, I suppose it's, it's very distant from the idea of the sort of, uh, the sort of, um, hyper-masculine hero, like I guess. Like short and sharp words. Yeah. Mm. Direct. Yeah. And sort of like almost sneaky and manipulative yes. and so like manipulative pulling strings gay. behind the scenes to attain power rather than doing it with, <laughs> with some Iago. kind of like honest mask strength. Well, that's exactly or the something. thing. Like, you know, Iago and Jafar were really uh, manipulative mm. Always going downstairs. <laughs> Always spiraling yeah, down. Constantly and again, like being manipulative is sort of a quality that's unfortunately associated more with women than it is with men. That's true coming back to the femininity point that is really true i hadn't thought about that but definitely yeah rather than fighting face to face (laughs) doing like the manipulative womanly straight up yeah doing a manly like punch in the face yeah which is obviously you know as we all know which is a legitimate way of dealing with conflict and any way that women deal with it is disgusting and like women are just so much meaner to each other than like guys are to women i don't know if you know that but it's true it's a real thing um yeah you know like women tear each other apart so much all the time. Yeah. Mm. Just in shreds. In shreds. Shreds of, shreds of women, of women <laughs> littering the floor. <laughs> oh, it got pretty dark. Speaking of gay villains. <laughs> Excuse me. And also, I think there's a trope in these uh, movies of the preening gay villain. Um, <laughs> well, you know, always no, the preening gay good villain. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> wanting to, wanting to uh, have access to a woman in a weird way. You know, like Jafar wanted to mm. marry uh, Princess hourglass. Jasmine in the hourglass. Uh <laughs> Uh, in Beauty and the Beast, what was his name? Oh, Gaston. Gaston, who was like mm. the, the really preening, uh, gay, vain yeah. gay guy who really wanted Belle. I and guess it's kind of want that masculine idea of having control over women and this kind of gay villain not having that. Yeah, know, and wanting sense, it yeah, so badly. It. Yeah, really yeah, and not no being able to just, cannot yeah. But not having masculine law exactly and having to sort of be manipulative and underhanded. Um, yeah. Let's listen to a clip now. Uh, we're going to listen to comedian James Adomian uh, speak a little bit more about gay villains. Another explicit language warning. There might be some offensive content in here. So um, if that's something you want to steer clear of, maybe another cup of tea. I don't know. How many is too many in an hour? Have another. They maybe just to top it up with some whole... cup of tea. Yeah, top that's it right. Up. Top it up or Have go do a wee. wee. Whatever you like. This combo, is James combo, Adomian. Yeah. You do both. All right. Uh, you know what? I... Uh... I've talked about my life and good guys and bad guys, but one thing I am obsessed with is the archetype of the gay villain. It is my favorite thing in the world. That's why I wear my thin mustache and pointy beard, almost to consciously court the look of a gay villain, because I'm fascinated. This tells you, hmm, facial grooming, something must be a foul. (laughs) Always the thin mustache is a common thing in that hmm, effeminate manner, you know? like any Vincent Price movie. He's there and he's like, welcome to my chamber of secrets. 
is a non-profit organisation dedicated to raising awareness and supporting people who are bisexual, people who are multi-gender attracted, their partners and their families. Bisexual Alliance runs several monthly discussion groups in and outside of Melbourne to offer support, a safe space to chat about your experiences and to explore others' experience of multi-gender attraction. These groups are for bisexuals, those who are questioning and their loved ones. For more information, visit bi-alliance.org or email info at by hyphenalliance.org. Welcome back to Queering the Air on 3CR 855 AM or 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking all about gay voices and I have in the studio with me the lovely Luke and Jack. Hello. Hi. Who have been lending their wonderful gay insights <laughs> <laughs> on the topic. Insights, yeah, they're insights. Um, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's reset. Hi, welcome back to Queering the Air. Hi. Hello. Um, and we've been talking all about gay voices, but right, um, for most of the show, for a good 48 minutes of the show, we've been talking mostly about gay male voices. And we haven't really spoken about queer, um, queer voices in general, or in particular lesbian voices. Um, so we all, I think, had an idea in our heads of what a gay voice sounded like and some common traits to uh, gay voices. Is there a lesbian voice, do you guys think? I think less so in popular culture, mm. but do we assume that a lesbian voice is just in the same way that a gay voice has feminine qualities, the lesbian voice has masculine mm. qualities? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that part yeah. of the problem is that uh, gay voice, w- gay women's voices just aren't really in popular culture at all, so Great it's really point. hard Great to point. track them. Absolutely. I mean, there are, like, there's Ellen, who I think we would... Does, I mean, you are the Ellen expert, <laughs> Luke Averella, Ellen Resident expert. Ellen expert. Uh, I don't think that... I wouldn't describe her voice as sounding gay. No. Mm. But we all thought that Ursula might have been a bit gay sounding. Because that was more... Yeah. As more her behaviour. More her <laughs> behaviour was very, very gay. We've all wanted to steal a woman's voice before so she couldn't get married. Um, and uh, that was something that James Adomian, who we heard just earlier, picked up. Um but, uh, yeah, there's this idea, I suppose, of the gay woman's voice being butch. Mm. Is it real? Is it fake? Why what? yes, why no? I think I... we were kind of talking about it earlier. We were talking about how a deep woman's voice is often desirable in society. But yeah. I kind of, I think if it's more forceful and deep, then it's 
That's considered, what makes it yeah. a lesbian voice. That's really interesting. It. Yeah, I think the the husky, low woman's voice is considered a sort of sign of sexual maturity yeah. or um and so then desirability. But then yeah, I think that you're right. The any sort of aggression associated with it uh makes it dikey in a second. <laughs> which sure. is which I think that we can all say safely say is uh misogynistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um now, I know, Jack, that you are, have put in about 10 times more research in this subject than uh, anybody else in the room, in that you've I read, read an article. One article. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I so spoke, learned. I think in that they spoke a bit of, um, they spoke, uh, the author wrote a little bit about uh, gay voices versus lesbian voices. Yeah, the author, so from the same article as before, um, included a quote from, uh, I think, American linguist called Arnold Zwicky. Um, who suggested, and I quote, for many lesbians, what is most important is identification with the community of women, while for many gay men, what is most important is distancing themselves from straight men. Discuss. That is interesting. And so we were talking earlier about the uh, idea that the gay male voice may have uh, been, um, uh, I suppose constructed around uh, identifying with other people of the gay subculture so mm-hmm. uh, and perpetuated because people like to identify with people of their own culture and have i suppose um orally or visually recognizable signifiers of belonging to that subculture mm. so the author there's saying that lesbians are more interested in just being women i guess mm. and identifying with other women um i don't know if i don't I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, although I have to say, well, yeah, I mean, like most of my, most of my friends are, uh, gay female. Most of my female friends are gay. Mm-hmm. Um, my family of choice, oh. <laughs> uh, is mostly gay. Do you guys think that, I mean, as, as men, I've, I've been very, very generous with my opinions about gay male <laughs> culture and gay male voices. So don't feel like you, you need yeah. to, don't feel like you need to not say anything about <laughs> women. Um, do you think that that holds any weight? Could you make that point one more time? Do you think that uh, the idea that gay women are more interested in identifying with women at large as opposed to only gay women, whereas gay men are uh, mostly interested in identifying with other gay men, uh, is true? And does it have an impact on the idea of a gay female voice? And might that be the reason that there isn't an identifiable gay female voice? Maybe, or maybe uh, I think, yes, I think, to answer that question, yes, I think that is a good point. <laughs> and I think also that point that you made earlier about the female voice, female queer voice not being present in society as much as the gay male voice could also be a reason yeah. for that. Well, I think that um, in, in my experience, the gay female voice has existed by and large as a well, it's not, it's not a voice. It's like a body on top of another gay female body that isn't really gay. Neither of them are really gay. They're mostly <laughs> really into guys, but they're just like having sex so that a guy can watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the right. kind of yeah. gay woman that's really present in media. Yeah. Or she's crazy <laughs> and about to kill herself. Yeah. The lesbian, thr- yeah, character yeah. in thrillers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that, um, mm-hmm. because, uh, lesbianism isn't really widely acknowledged. In us, uh, in mainstream heterosexual society, um, that might be part of the reason why no trope has formed mm, yeah. in a way that's so recognizable to us. What yeah. do you think, Jack? I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I concur. <laughs> I 
agree. <laughs> <laughs> what a great note to end the show on today. <laughs> just all Literally, round. Just agreement. We all agree. All, we all agree. <laughs> Same level. I'm sure you do too, listener, and you have no thoughts that you'd like to add to this conversation <laughs> at all. <laughs> Um, thank you very, very much for joining me in the studio today, Jack and Luke. It's Thanks been a pleasure no having you. Pleasure being here. Yep, oh, thank you very much. I would <laughs> love to have your gay voices on the radio anytime, anytime at all. And thank you very tomorrow. much. Uh, am I like I'm kind of busy? Like tomorrow I'm a little bit busy. Oh, like okay, I've just yeah. got a thing. I've got another a thing. time, another time. We'll That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but any other time, yeah. I mean, but I'll call you. Yeah, that's okay, what I mean. I'll call you. So don't don't feel like you need to reach out. That's fine. Um, but thank you very much. <laughs> um, thanks very much for listening to Queering the Air today, everybody. Um, we've got Democracy Now up next, and uh, you've been listening to 3CR on 3cr.org.au. Or on 8:55 a.m. I want to thank our wonderful mystery panelists today. <laughs> Who's yeah. <laughs> got a brilliant smile? Everybody listening can Luminous. just hear the light glinting off of her wonderful straight white teeth. Deafening. <laughs> the only straight white thing we like. And we're listening, uh, we're going to listen to. No? No, no that was, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, and we're going to finish up with uh, if there ever was a great gay uh, female voice, it's this one. It is the character of Mama from Chicago, sung by Queen Latifah. And I believe Tay Diggs, this is If You're Good to Mama. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great afternoon. Bye. See you later. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the keeper of the keys, the countess of the clink, the mistress of murderer's row, matron Mama Morton.